You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's been seven days since the first game of the season, and I believe that I speak for everyone when I say that we're ready for our Bears to take the field on Sunday and hopefully to remove the sour taste that still kind of lingers in our mouths. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I want to welcome you to our Week 2 Preview Show. I'm joined alongside by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and we're set to preview everything that you need to know before kickoff. Nick, you just started your second quarter of grad school. How's that going so far? Yeah, it's going well. I just had one class on Wednesday. Got to meet uh, some of the people in the radio program there. Uh, I might be doing my own show there, so I'm excited just to get things going. But yeah, it seems like it's going to be a good quarter of school, and I'm just really excited for it. What's your show going to be about? It's going to be about the Bears. So it's going to be about the Bears, and I don't know how I'm going to differentiate it from what we do, but I definitely want to just have another opportunity to talk about Chicago Bears football. Wow. Our five podcasts a week, isn't that enough for you? No, apparently not. (laughs) Cool. Cool. Exciting. I appreciate that. I feel really welcome uh, with you right now. But uh, are you excited (laughs) to talk about Bears Broncos? Yeah, because uh, last week left a sour taste in our mouths and all the Bears fans, so it's good to talk about you know another opponent, another opportunity for these Bears to get back on the right track. Absolutely. Well, let's get in. Let's jump into that game preview, and I want to go ahead and start today's show with the Bears offense because we've had a week to kind of digest the, the debacle that unfolded against Green Bay, and usually we don't begin with the offensive line, but... Really? I think we need to because that entire unit is in need of stepping up their game. They didn't do a good job at both keeping Trubisky clean and opening lanes for the ground game. Granted, they didn't have much of a chance to really get into a rhythm with their run blocking. But looking at Denver, they had a hard time up front. Uh, They were held without a sack a week ago or just a few days ago here. It is only Thursday. And even though they allowed 3.5 yards per rush, they did allow nearly 100 yards on the ground throughout the majority of that game. But starting with the pass rush, Obviously, you're looking at Von Miller, you're looking at Bradley Chubb, and they're going to be priority number one. Uh, So what are you expecting from our tackles, Nick, Leno Jr. and Bobby Massey? Because obviously both of them, uh, even though Miller and Chubb were held in check last week, it's still hard not to worry about them. We know know what kind of players they are, what they're capable of, and both of our tackles in Leno Jr. and Bobby Massey, uh, they had some brutal moments against Green Bay, to put it lightly. So what are you expecting between our tackles against these two edge rushers? Yeah, it's going to be a good matchup because I think the way that the Broncos pass rush played against Oakland week one and how the Bears offensive line performed in week one is not representative of how both these units will play moving forward with the rest of the season. I think Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, that's a destructive force on the edges there. But also the Bears offensive line, like you said, did not have a good game against the Packers. So I do expect both these units to play better. But at times you got to think that both of these units are going to get better 
you know, the best of each other because you can't, I don't think the Bears offensive line is going to keep Von Miller and Bradley Chubb in check. Last week against Oakland, they didn't register a quarterback hit. That was the first time Denver hasn't done that since late in 2014. I don't expect that to be the case for the Bears, even with the best uh, game plan from Matt Nagy. But then again, I don't expect this offensive line to look how it did against Green Bay, just giving up consistent pressure, having Mitch Trubisky to run outside the pocket, the penalties, they gave up, you know, five sacks. So again, I think it's going to be a back and forth game and it'll ultimately come down to how Matt Nagy schemes people open and what kind of game plan he has in store for these two pass rushers. Now, obviously, they're not the only guys to worry about for Denver. Uh, someone who I'm circling is going to be Derek Wolf against James Daniels and Kyle Long. Uh, both Daniels and Long, they had their fair share of issues as well. You know, we have we talked about the third down play where Daniels was just, you know, pulverized at the you know, point of attack. Kyle Long had a rough game as well. I mean, the entire unit struggled at one point or another, but... Uh, Derek Wolf, just like the rest of Denver's front seven, he didn't have any pressures on the quarterback last week. But when you're looking at what he did in 2018, he was third in the team in terms of getting after quarterback. So I know he's finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Temper Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Capable, and like I mentioned, Daniel struggled, Kyle Long struggled. This is another matchup that I'm watching for up front. How about you, Nick? Do you have anyone else, or do you want to talk about any of the matchups you know, in the trenches right now? And that's a homage, you know, paying a little homage here to Brandon uh, a month after his departure of the show, talking about the battles in the trenches. Yeah, so I think Brandon would definitely mention uh, number 96 for the Broncos, Shelby Harris. At times, this guy's a little inconsistent, so that's why you want to see what kind of game he you know, he will have um, being that nose tackle there because James Daniels honestly did not have a very good game against the Packers last week. It just seemed like there was miscommunication between him and Kyle Long on when to maybe shift on stunts or whatever it may be, but you don't want to let a guy that is also inconsistent and was a, you know, a seventh-round pick in 2014, Shelby Harris get the best of you so uh that's just a guy that i'll be keeping an eye on of course we talked about the edge rushes those are going to be the focal point but again you just don't want somebody else other than really bradley chubb and von miller to be the factor in this game that's going to dictate how maybe matt Nagy has to call some schemes some plays but yeah just another guy to keep an eye on for sure now let's talk about the offensive line in terms of establishing the run because well, establishing the run only if Matt Nagy is, you know, kind of down to accomplish that this week. Uh, but did you say anything that Oakland did that was successful that the Bears should kind of look to mimic on Sunday? I have one, but I want to see where you take this first. Um, in terms of establishing the run, it's just, I think, giving the running backs opportunities. Oakland did run in a good amount of times against um, the Broncos yeah, there. Yeah, times. Yeah, 23 carries just to Josh Jacobs. So I think that's going to be this game plan for Matt Nagy to replicate just giving his running backs opportunities. David Montgomery had two touches in the second half, Will. That's not enough for a guy that was producing on his own with the limited opportunities that he got against Green Bay. So I think just in terms of what they can do, just give the ball to your running backs. Let's see more David Montgomery in the game. That's a good game plan, even though it's not really much of a game plan. It's just giving the ball to your playmaker. So I think that's what Matt Nagy just needs to do. Just give the ball to your running backs. I mean, yep. I mean, you took it right out of my mouth because Oakland, they didn't do anything fancy. 
They just stuck with it. They earned every yard on the ground the hard way, and it paid off in the end. Uh, so for me, my point is yours, but I'll take it a little bit different. I have three words for it that the Bears need to do, and it's just brutal effing consistency. That's it. There's no other way to you know explain it. They just need to stick with it because it worked for Oakland. I know the Bears, if they want to have the running identity, they can establish it. It just all goes to Matt Nagy and his you know ability to stick with it. Don't forget about the three running backs. And we're not done talking about these guys. I want to get to them a little later. But let's go ahead and switch focus here and talk about Mitch for a bit because obviously we're all hoping for a much improved outing from him this week. And obviously he could have a shot because and I say this knowing that Vic Fangio is on the other sideline. But look at what Oakland did. I mean, Denver's defense allowed Derek Carr to go 22 of 26. That's 85% of his passes for two. 160 yards and a touchdown on Monday night. So Nick, when you're looking at Trubisky, uh, what are some of the things that you need to see out of him and what are some of the keys to getting him and his season back on track? Yeah, so I mean, just kind of watching what the Oakland Raiders were able to do with Derek Carr, I think a lot of it was it was just simple for Derek Carr, just quick passes. Uh, there were a couple throws where I'm like, those are there's only a couple throws that you know a few select quarterbacks in the league can make, but for the most part, I thought it was just, hey, Derek Carr saw his guy open, just threw it, and they were just progressively moving the ball. I think you can replicate that with Mitch Trubisky, who had his flaws definitely against the Green Bay Packers, just not reading the field right, maybe just staring down receivers too long. But I think that's what Matt Nagy needs to do because in that game against the Green Bay Packers, and give credit to Dan Durkin from The Athletic, they used 32 different personnel groupings, meaning there were so many different combinations of players on the field that no one was really getting a, a feel or a chemistry with you know the players that were on the field at the same time so I think what you got to do for Mitch is just give him consistent guys that are out there I know you can have a lot of weapons but it's nice knowing that hey Allen Robinson's always going to be on the field and then when you look to the right it's going to be Taylor Gabriel as opposed to a Cordell Patterson Javon Wims yes that versatility is nice but it's nice also having a rhythm with the guys that are actually out there but I think just quick passes uh especially if you can target one of their cornerbacks who I'm sure we'll definitely talk about uh can't even pronounce his last name, but uh, or there you go. Yeah, get him, get him. That's what I was saying in the car as I was, <laughs> you know, on the drive here. That's somewhere where I think if you go for Mitch Trubisky, get him isolated with Allen Robinson one on one. That's how you can get comfortable, get his confidence back going. Because that was a big question this week: Is Mitch Trubisky going to be? Is still does he still have that confidence? Really, I think he does. But I think just quick passes, get it out of the, you know his hands quickly because you do have two very productive edge rushers that can mess up a game plan if you hold on to the ball for too long. You know, I'm excited. I mean, anytime you and I get in the same page and we, you know, we prepare these shows separately and we have similar notes, similar ideas. I mean, it's always exciting because I have here my notes. First thing for Mitch, get the ball out quick because Derek Carr did it well. He was attacking the middle of the field. He was able to attack, you know, both inside and outside of the numbers. Get with those quick, decisive throws and they were open. I mean, Oakland, I mean, Oakland was able to succeed. Denver was playing back a lot and then or also being a little aggressive with some blitzes at times and were able to kind of counter that. Uh, Also for Mitch, some things that I think he needs this week, a clean pocket. That will go a long way because we saw last week he was in panic mode right away and that could be a bit of rust. That could just be Mitch being Mitch. Um, But when I saw last week was Mitch, you know, getting a little bit of pressure, he panics, he forces a throw or he gets stuck on his first read and forces a bad ball there and Obviously, I think for Mitch, if he has protection, uh, he should be able to remain a little bit more calm, scan the entire field, and go through his progression uh, to a degree in which you and I are hoping for, Nick. 
Uh, on top of that, we talked about it, establish a run. I mean, that's if the, that way the defense doesn't have to be in a nickel or a dime package all game long, sit back and, you know, force Trubisky to beat them because that's what happened last week, and that's not what's going to win games here uh, for Chicago. And some things that are up to Mitch specifically that I'm paying attention to, one, don't make any predetermined throws. Get that out of here. We don't want to watch that anymore. Uh, don't make running his option number two. So if his first receiver is not there, don't just try to tuck it and run. Look for that second guy. I mean, you, sh- you should be in 202. You should be able to go to at least through three progressions here rather quickly in the pocket. And then lastly, I mean, just relax, right, Nick? I mean, he was just so, you can see he was so nervous last week and he's had that on prime time. I, we talked about that a little bit more than a week ago for our preview show for that game. And he just needs to relax and play football. And when he does that, we've seen what he's capable of. But to me, I think it all starts with getting the ball out quick uh, to counter the pass rush and also the clean pocket because he didn't have that much of all last week as well. All right, let's go ahead, Nick. Let's take a look at those one-on-one matchups in the passing game that are kind of catching our eye. And obviously, you just said it. Get him, get him. Is that pretty much it? No, I mean, when I was watching the film, how John Gruden just schemed it up where he had either his tight end over there, isolated one-on-one, or whether whichever receiver was there, get him was just, he got exposed uh, on Monday night, to be completely honest. And he was playing a bunch of, he was playing off. He was playing press. I'm telling you, if Isaac Yidham is going to play press coverage on Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, that should be a go-to. It doesn't even matter if he's actually in good position. That ball should be going in that direction because, look, Allen Robinson was getting off press coverage easily against the Packers uh, last Thursday night. He can definitely do that if Yidham's going to do that in this game against the Bears on Sunday because, look, you have an Allen Robinson who's proven that he can go up and get that 50-50 ball. And he even showed that with Mitch on Thursday night against the Packers. I love that matchup, especially because what the Bears love to do, and they kind of do it too much where it's predictable, they'll have three receivers to one side and also the running back on that side and run an RPO action. If you have one guy isolated on the left, and if that is an Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, I love that matchup, especially against Yedem, who's going to primarily play on the left side. Chris Harris is going to play on the right. But that is the guy to target in, in this Broncos secondary because he's just not ready to play and he got exposed last week or this, yeah. last Monday. I mean, any of those guys against Yidham is the guy you want to be going for. Like you said, exposed on all levels. And he can have a better game, but he's still someone that you want to test. You don't want to have give him any chances to build confidence. If you can defeat him early with his confidence shot, that could be a, you know your go-to area of the field later on in this game. When I'm looking elsewhere, ah, it's tough. I mean, for me, where it comes down to is like, I really hope Trey Burton can play and this thing continues to get you know, more and more complex. And I mean, I think he said earlier today that he hopes to be able to play on Sunday, but some days he feels good. Some days he doesn't. I'm not going to speculate any further here on this show, but I saw what Oakland's tight end Darren Waller was able to do and he ate them alive and he was able to pick apart his own. And that's what, you know, Trey Burton's forte is. And obviously I hope he's healthy because it would be huge to have him in on the attack, be that, you know, security blanket that we've talked about, the guy who can eat over the middle of the field, find the soft spot in the zone. That's what uh, Oakland side end was able to do a lot last week, and that's why I hope that Trey Burton can get back because he can be that guy. Anything else in the one-on-ones? For me, I believe the Bears can push the ball downfield a little bit and test some of these safeties. I thought they showed that you know they could have some laps in coverage, some miscommunications on the back end of that defense. Uh, but how about you? Any other one-on-one matchups specifically you're paying attention to? So it's not so much the one-on-one matchups, but just watching the film. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? 
plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Of these DBs, for some reason, even though they have Ed Downtel on that side of the ball now for the Denver Broncos, obviously coming from Chicago, it just seemed like whenever a big play did happen or a ball was caught from the Oakland receivers, these guys were looking at each other just you know, kind of wondering, oh, I thought you, you know, there, there seemed to be, like you said, Will, that miscommunication between these guys on what exactly is the responsibilities for each defensive back. And look, there is no Bryce Callahan. We don't know if he's going to play on uh, Sunday. It's looking like he might not. He was limited in practice today for the Broncos. But it just seems like right now, because you have Yidham at uh, the left corner, you have right corner as Chris Harris, who's usually the slot corner for them. There's just miscommunications early on from those defensive backs. So, again, Matt Nagy has shown, especially in 2018, that he can get people open. We didn't see, really see that against Green Bay. Nope. This would be an opportunity to possibly take those chances to throw those complex routes at these DBs, confuse them a little bit more, have them guessing whose responsibility is who, and then take a shot downfield. We didn't really see that. The Bears' get, offensive line gives Mitch time. Like you said, I expect them to take some shots down the field to create some big plays. Now, Mitch can make some good throws, and there actually were a few passes last week that were dropped. So no matter who you know is in these matchups come game day, the Bears were one of the best teams last year at not dropping the football, and they got damn near close of almost matching their entire season's total against Green Bay. That could be Russ for not playing in a preseason. That could be you know you're playing the NFL 100 kickoff game, nerves and jitters, whatever the hell the problem may be. They need to make sure that they can catch the football when it's thrown to them, hitting them in the hands when they win a battle. Because, you know, we have talked about Mitch's mistakes, but I think it has gone overlooked, at least here on our show. I mean, we last time you and I talked was our postgame show, uh, that the receivers were dropping some of those footballs as well. So they do need to be able to pick that up uh, this week for sure. Anything else on these battles, or are we all good to move on, Nick? No, I think we're all good to move on, but I think you mentioned a great point. It's like last week's performance, everything that could have gone wrong for this Bears offense did. Like mm-hmm. receivers aren't supposed to drop the footballs, especially how with 2018, the offensive line has never played that bad before. The play calling was one-sided. Mitch played bad. So everything just added up in the like you said, the big moment. It just it was just a it was, I guess. What's the right word? It was just really exposed right in the spotlight, right? And everyone's expecting all these things. So this is still going to be a tough game, but I expect this offense to look a lot better come Sunday. All right. Up next, we're going to talk about some run DMC, or hopefully we'll see DMC run the ball some more. But real quickly, uh, I do want to tell you about our new sponsor again, uh, Wrigleyville Sports. They are one of the premier Chicago sports merchandise stores in the entire city. So if you're looking for any of the latest beers gear, they have it. From hats and sunglasses, t-shirts, jerseys, make sure to check out WrigleyvilleSports.com. And again, since you listen to the show, you get a pretty sweet deal. Uh, You can just use our promo code AUDIBLE, A-U-D-I-B-L-E. And if you use that, you get 15% off and free shipping on any order 
of $25 or more. Uh, this deal runs through all season, expires on January 15th, and of course, if the Bears make a playoff run, I'm sure I can talk them into extending that one as well. But if you're looking for any Bears gear this season, or heck, any of the other Chicago teams, you really can't beat this deal. And again, head on over to WrigleyvilleSports.com, use our promo code AUDIBLE for 15% off and free shipping on any orders of $25 or more. All right, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm Ursula DeWitt. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We are previewing everything you need to know before kickoff uh, week two, Bears, Broncos. And we're moving ahead, sticking with the Bears offense, to run DMC. You didn't have any carries for Tariq Cohen a week ago. And as we know, still not a large sample size for both Davis and Montgomery. Uh, Each of them had five and six carries, respectively. Obviously, the main key here is just allow these playmakers to eat. Give them an opportunity. Uh, So, Nick, if you were Matt Nagy, how are you going to divvy up the carries this week? Obviously, that could change in game, but right now. Yeah, I would say a, a majority of these carries have to go to David Montgomery. Uh, I know we didn't see much of any of the you know, running opportunities for Davis or Montgomery against the Packers, but I just think it's smart to give Dave, uh, Montgomery more opportunities to run this football. You saw what he can do when he doesn't have much blocking, still able to pick up a first down early on in that game against the Packers. I think it's just an opportunity for the Bears to, one, establish the run, get that offensive line, their, their confidence back, really, knowing that they're blocking and still gaining yards and moving forward. But I think Montgomery gives you the best chance at doing that. And like I said, two touches in the second half of a one-score football game is unacceptable by Matt Nagy and that offensive unit because Montgomery can generate yards. I know he's a rookie, but that needs to definitely be improved moving forward because you can't have that again against the Broncos who gave up a bunch of yards to Josh Jacobs who's also you know obviously a rookie himself so Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be the best case scenario for this Bears offense to establish drives keep them on the field score points just giving David Montgomery an opportunity to make a play I think when I think about David Montgomery I do believe he should get the bulk of the carries because when you saw what Jacobs was able to do against you know, the Denver defense, a lot of it were just tough, gritty yards, fighting through contact and, you know, breaking tackles. And that's what Montgomery does best. And that's why the Bears brought him in to fight for those hard earned yards. And I thought when you saw Jacobs do that, you can see how he wore down, you know, the Broncos defense. And that's why, you know, if you can lean on Montgomery a little bit in this game, that would be a great strategy to wear them down. But on top of that, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing, you know, Davis maybe get slightly the same amount of carries. So maybe Montgomery gets like 12 and you're looking at Davis getting anywhere from 8 to 10. Uh, that comes up to 18 carries a game, which still is, we talked about it last year, the magic number is at least 20. And then that's where Tariq Cohen for me comes in anywhere from three to four carries. You're still getting him the ball in, a hands, in, uh, in his hands. And I thought Matt Nagy was trying to be a little too cute uh, theme here uh, when getting Tariq Cohen the ball the first time was like that pitch in the very first play and there are no handoffs for him after that it's pretty simple right Nick if you can put the ball in Cohen's hand even if it's a simple running play he's still one of the most dynamic players on your offense and he has the ball in his hands and that's when he can if he doesn't have those opportunities he can't provide you know anything for you no absolutely I I will say Matt Nagy did scheme up a perfectly drawn up play in that very first offensive play against the Packers it had you know Tariq Cohen just caught that ball he has a pretty big running lane but still throughout the game you got to find a way to give Tariq Cohen the ball and not just line he lined up he was on the field for 49 snaps but he was out wider in the slot for 44 of them so it, it, is Tariq Cohen actually turned into a slot receiver more than a running back from just seeing the first game kind of looks like it yeah I and mean, we'll see if that changes week by week or if that becomes a pattern because if it does 
then you have to kind of, you know, reorder, at least in our mental minds, the Bears depth chart a little bit, because obviously it's not a three running backs. That's an extra slot receiver, like you just mentioned, on this roster. Uh, so obviously we've mentioned it throughout the show so far, Nick, but the Bears do need to find a way to become more balanced this week. I know it. You know it. Everybody listening knows it. Everyone in the chat here knows it as well. But I want to know, what's an ideal run-to-pass ratio? Uh, one of our listeners, Keith, he messaged us on Twitter today and was asking, what do we want the run-to-pass ratio to look like at the end of this game? Obviously, game flow will dictate this. But coming into it, if you had a plan, what would that look like to you? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if I have an exact number. It's just I think you could you should be able to get these guys with these three running backs back there. Like you said, that magic number of 20 carries and however much attempts you, you want Mitch to have. Nothing near the 45 that, you know, was happening against Green Bay on opening night. But just anywhere, just get at least that 20 mark. It, you know, obviously being a one-score game against Green Bay, there, it, there wasn't any reason to abandon the run game like they did. Mm-hmm. But they just did, though. That There was no really good reason why but i think they're easily with the versatility you have at those running backs you can get 20 carries total that shouldn't be something that's you know a goal that's you know really out there it should be definitely a feasible option for matt Nagy in this unit but yeah i think anywhere just getting at least 20 runs and you know having maybe 25 passes from mitch that's you know essentially a good game plan for you know matt Nagy in this offense moving forward because obviously it was very one-sided against green bay Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many plays they'll end up running. So if I'm looking at, you know, the run past ratio for me, it better be damn near 50, 50. Uh, you have three talented backs and they should see about half the plays between them. No matter how you want to divide those up, it takes the pressure off of Mitch. And really that's what Oakland did last week. It was very close to 50, 50 split. They had 28 runs to 26 passes. Uh, this allowed Oakland. And I don't know if you saw when you're watching the game, but I saw it, they were able to use play action, so effectively i mean it really sucked the defenders up it opened up bigger throwing windows especially off of some quick passes as well and on top of that their consistent running i don't know if you saw it but they were in third and manageable all game long they didn't have many third and long situations uh the bears last week how they stuck to the pass and were only passing the ball too many third and longs they're unable to convert but if they can stick to the run especially in the early downs that's going to lead to success. And something I like from Oakland too, and this is crazy I'm even saying that, but they were not only were they running early downs to get into third and manageable, but when it was like third and three, third and four, it wasn't an automatic pass. Like they actually ran the ball and it worked. So for me, keep it around 50 50. And then I would try to limit Mitch to 30 passes max. Uh, so whatever the runs need to be to hit that mark, that's what I like to see. But I don't really believe we need to see Mitch throw the ball more than 30 times in a single game. So for me, whatever we need to do to keep him at 30 and keep it around 50-50, keep the defense guessing, I'll don't allow them, because that's what Green Bay did. And it really pissed me off the more I look back at that game. <laughs> Sitting there in a dime or nickel package, having a spy on Mitch on top of it, and just they're all just standing back waiting for Mitch to throw. We can't have that happen again, you know? No, I get that. And, yeah, you made a great point with the third down and maybe four or five to run for the first down. I also saw that watching Sunday Night Football with New England Patriots against Pittsburgh Steelers. It's not an automatic pass on those third and five, third and four. You could run the ball on those sounds. It's not like it's, you know— you're exempt from doing that that's you know gets the defense thinking again you have the running backs that are capable of picking up those four five yards maybe on a third down so it doesn't have to be an automatic pass like you just said having the defense in a dime package just watching Trubisky run the ball you could do that Mm -hmm. it's it's an option Matt Nagy just do it 
you know, force them in their base defense, force them to, you know, worry about David Montgomery or Tariq Cohen or Mike Davis coming out of the backfield and everything else opens up. I mean, we talked about this last year, but it was more of the, you know, give Jordan Howard the ball mantra. And now it's, you have three really good running backs, use them. And I mean, I know we probably have hit on that a little bit too much in this game throughout this show, but I mean, it's such a big point that hopefully it hits home somewhere in Hallis Hall because they really need to kind of step that up. But long story short, 50-50 is where I like to kind of see the run-to-pass ratio. All right, Nick, anything else about either the Bears offense or the Denver Broncos defense that you want to make sure that we talk about today? You know, I did see from Oakland's offense that they had some success running some outside zone with their, you know, Josh Jacobs or if it was D. Washington. So any of those guys outside zone was working for them. Maybe that's something that can also work for the Bears offense. Just again, to establish that run, keep with it throughout the entirety of the game. But again, like we we've been talking about this the entire podcast. We want to see more running attempts. I think that's a good way of establishing it. Just keeping that offense on the field. All right, well, you know me, red zone, third down, got to do it. Uh, So looking at the red zone, uh, the Broncos, they allowed four red zone trips last week, uh, third most in week one, and three of those trips were touchdowns. So that touchdowns on 75% of red zone trips. I don't really need to say what the Bears did last week. I think we remember (laughs) one red zone trip, no points. Uh, The Bears need to get down there more, obviously. And that goes without saying one trip is not going to cut it uh, in the NFL in terms of putting points up on the the scoreboard. And then when you're looking at third down here, uh, Denver actually allowed the third highest third down. Oh, the highest third down conversion percentage of all teams week one. They allowed Oakland to convert on third down to about 72% of the time, which is the most in the entire NFL. Uh, But the Bears on offense... Yet again, atrocious. They were uh, only 20% of their third downs were converted last week, which is brutal to say the least. Uh, so, yeah, I, we talked about how the Bears can get into better third down situations. Uh, we'll see if that comes to be, because if they can, obviously Denver's proven that they are, can be a little lax and you know a little bit more you know flexible in allowing people to convert on them on that money down. Uh, but it's time to find out who has the edge here, Nick, and I'm going to give you the Bears offensive line versus that Broncos pass rush. Oh man, that's a good one because I think both these both these units are going to play a lot better. But if the Bears want to establish the run and actually win a game in 2019, they have to play better, and it starts that offensive line. So I'm going to give it to the offensive line. I'm not feeling very confident about it, but I am going to give it to the offensive line just by an edge, like a you know 50 to. 51 to 49 percent there going with the bears on that one at first i thought you're gonna do 50 51 i'm like this doesn't add up <laughs> uh 101 no. i was like yeah, we already so. we already messed up math during the 53 man roster projection episode yeah. we don't want to do we this got it again. though we got it this time <laughs> all right <laughs> uh for me i have bears passing game versus the broncos secondary i'm giving us very slight edge here to the bears passing game only if they establish a run and only if Mitch does not throw that ball over 30 times. Because if they over-rely on Mitch, that, to me, it swings the favor over to the Broncos secondary. Uh, so for me, uh, when you're looking at that secondary, though, they only force Oakland into four incompletions on the entire game. Uh, so to me, it should be an advantage for the Bears, depending on the game plan, though. Last but not least, Nick, Bears ground game versus the Broncos run defense. I'll let you begin. Who do you think has the edge? Yeah, I'm just kind of looking at what the the Broncos bring at that position. You have Josie Jewell in the middle. I'm familiar with him because he went to the University of Iowa. He's not the best athlete, and I think he's a liability, especially if those linemen can get up to him. Um, 
And also you have Corey Nelson, who is the other inside linebacker, number 56, who's filling in for one of the starters who is uh, still battling an injury. I'm going to have to give it to this Bears uh, rushing attack. I think, if again, it all depends on whether or not this offensive line can do their job. And I'm, you know, very iffy on that. But I did, you know, give the Bears uh, the favor there. So I'm going to give it to the Bears. They have a slight edge because I think, I think the offensive line will show up. So that answers your question. It does. Uh, for me, because this is one that we share, I'm actually giving it to Denver's run defense here. Uh, they did allow under four yards per carry. Uh, nothing longer than 13 yards. Uh, that was the longest run they gave up on the entire night. So they didn't really allow any big runs. I like to say that you would have you know Cohen and Davis and Montgomery be able to rack up yards, but again, it goes back to the question, Nick, how many opportunities are they going to get? If they don't get enough to get into a rhythm i think denver is going to have an easy edge here because what joshua jacobs was able to do was get into a rhythm throughout the entire game but if the bears don't find a way to get at least one of these backs into a rhythm i think denver's run defense is going to be a little bit more formidable than they were last week so for me i'm going to give them the slight edge here just due to the fact that i have no idea how many runs these guys are going to get who is going to be nick your x factor on offense so I'm actually going to give my X factor to Allen Robinson. And this is when the Bears are – when they don't pick up those yards on first and second down, they need somebody who can win those one-on-one matchups. And I think Allen Robinson's that perfect guy. Uh, get him, yet him is going to be the phrase for this game. So I think if Allen Robinson, if Matt Nagin can scheme that up to where he gets that one-on-one, that's where Mitch Trubisky has to go with the ball. Or even if Trey Burton is able to play in this one, I like that matchup as well. But I'm going to give it to Allen Robinson to be able to convert those third and long situations to keep this offense on the field. That's going to be huge for you know Mitch and Matt Nagy in this one. So I'm going to have to give it to Allen Robinson. All right. I'm giving it to the entire offensive line. I, we talked about it. And it's a reason why I started the offensive discussion on them. The Bears are going to live and die by how well that unit plays. If they fail to win the battles in the trenches, uh, the Bears are not going to be able to establish a run, which in turn puts more pressure on Mitch, uh, both literally and probably figuratively. Um, but if they can hold their own, limit the pass rush, just like Oakland did, do enough to allow the running backs to have some respectable numbers, the offense should be more efficient. Mitch should be more effective, but it really it all hinges on the offensive line and how well they do their job. So for me, all five of those guys are going to be my X factor this week because I think a lot of the issues on offense stem from them. Now everyone has fault. Everyone has fault on the entire offense from last week. But if they played better, we still could have potentially found a way to win that football game. So for me, offensive line is going to be my X factor. Yeah, I like Shadows here in the chat. He said X Factor, Matt Nagy. I mean, that's mm-hmm. huge. It's, I mean, the offensive line could have a great day, but if he's deciding we're going to drop back 50 times again with Mitch Trubisky, it's probably not going to play in favor of the Bears offense gaining yards. So, yeah, it's a great one as well, Shadow. Four, five, eight, two. Three zero. I put so it on. I tried end. to put it on the broadcast. I haven't done that in a while, and it came out like our blue text, which is interesting. So I'll play with that here after the stream. Six that. I don't think you can read it, so I apologize there, Shadow. But let's go <laughs> ahead and let's move forward. And we're you know we're right now we're halfway through the show. Plenty more to get to, and it's time to turn the table and take a look at. Uh, the Bears defense. So now I can start smiling a little bit more here on the show. That's a unit that we're much more confident in, and rightfully so, after allowing the second lowest yards per play in week one, only 3.7. And this to a future Hall of Famer in Aaron Rodgers as well. Don't forget that. I want to begin by discussing the Bears' run defense. They only allowed 2.1 yards per rush last uh, last game, and it appears that they're picking up right where they left off a year ago. 
just making life hell for running backs. Denver has two very capable running backs in Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, uh, both of which had some identical numbers on the ground last week. So, Nick, my question to you to kind of kick this off is, does any of these backs worry you more than the other, or are you just confident that the Bears are going to shut it down regardless on which running back is on the field? You know, you mentioned, uh, so I think both these guys are capable of definitely hurting an opposing defense, but how Denver distributed distributed the carries and just the production for both of them, you have to be ready for both. It's not going to be one t- one guy's going to get more of the opportunities than the other. You're really going to split, the, you know, this running back production, but... Look, the Bears did such a good job against Adam Jones and the Packers last week that running lanes weren't open. Roquan Smith was roaming the entire field. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look, you put, play the fact those factors into this game, I just don't know how Denver's going to want it, going to establish the run. They had the most success when they had uh, their tight end, whether it was Noah Fant or one of the other guys out there, and they ran outside the tight end, uh, according to PFF. Uh, when they did that, they finished with seven attempts, most of any direction, for 42 yards. And 32 of those yards came after contact. So that's where they had the most success. So that's going to be, what, Leonard Floyd over there trying to hold down that edge. And the way he played last week, I'm confident that this Bears run defense is going to show up against Denver. Yeah, I mean, me too, right? I mean, they have been so good against a run for over a season now. I can't really fear any running back that comes against us because that front seven just shuts it down. I mean, both of the backs are good. You know, you have Lindsey. He's that quicker, shiftier back. He's really good in space. And they have Freeman, that one-cut guy who can kind of run you over. But still, I feel like, like you said, uh, Roquan's going to keep Lindsey in check. You're going to have Danny Trevathan, Akeem Hicks, who's one of the best run defenders in the league up front, stopping the, you know, Freeman. So for me, it's not really that big of a concern overall in terms of Denver's ability to run the football as long as the defense plays a level that we expect. Um, but no, the Bears, I mean, like you said, I mean, they just shut it down. And I don't think we need to get too far deep into this unless you have anything else you want to mention. No, I mean, like I said, uh, unless what the Bears, you know, pass rush doesn't, you know, show up or this Akeem Hicks and well, the big thing actually now that we're talking about this run defense and uh, Eddie Goldman didn't practice today. He was not practicing today, and that could be a huge if he's not able to go on Sunday. That could be a huge loss for this Bears defense for sure because again, he's one of the more underrated players on his defense. We all know the value of an Eddie Goldman and what he's able to do on this Bears front seven, but that could definitely play a huge factor in this Broncos rushing attack if he's not able to go. You're, you know, relying on more of a Bilal Nichols, Roy Robinson Harris, which Roy Robinson Harris had a hell of a game against the Packers last week. And we didn't really, I guess, see much of Bilal Nichols, but Eddie Goldman would be a huge loss to his Bears defense, but I still would give the advantage to that unit over the Broncos rushing attack. Yeah. Oh, Eddie Goldman. I mean, that's scary uh, for sure that if he can't give it a go, because even though he he's like that unsung hero, that, you know, the quiet guy that you don't really hear his name called a lot, but all the little things that he does right sets up everybody else around him for success. And like you said, we didn't see a lot of below on Nichols last week. Uh, I do believe that was probably new to like the knee that he kind of uh, tweaked in practice, and that's why we saw a little bit more Roy Robertson Harris. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you can see a Nick Williams out there playing decent, but not to the same level as Eddie. So that may be the one thing for Bears fans to pay attention to throughout the rest of this week and over the weekend. Eddie Goldman's status, because that could you know impact this game. And again, I think the Bears' talent is enough to overcome his absence. But it would still have an impact, definitely, on this game. He's a very good, strong player up front for the Bears. 
All right, let's stick with that front seven, but let's move over to the Bears in terms of their pass rush. Uh, you mentioned it. We saw some good things from Roy Robertson-Harris. We also saw some pretty awesome things from Leonard Floyd, too. Uh, and you saw, you know, Akeem Hicks getting in there, maybe not to the same degree that we're used to, though, and Khalil Mack. Uh, Denver does provide our Bears with, I would say, a couple of favorable matchups up front. So let's go ahead and just dive in and highlight the ones in our radar. Nick, I want you to kick this off. Yeah, so the guy that I'm looking at is actually their left tackle right now. I know their right tackle, actually, Jawan James, he's not going to be playing against uh, the Bears on Sunday. But Garrett Bowles, former first-round pick, and, you know, he has been a guy that's been pretty inconsistent for the Denver Broncos over the past two seasons. He actually had seven accepted holding penalties in each of his first two seasons. Both were tied for the league high for each season, and he did have a holding call in that game against the Raiders. It was declined, and now guess what? Now you have a, a Khalil Mack coming at you, and you already know that Khalil Mack is someone that can cause holding penalties on any tackle. So I think this is a favorable matchup for the Bears, whether they actually have Mack or Floyd on that side, because we saw, again, in that game against the, the Green Bay Packers where – Chuck Pagano will mix it up a little bit, but I love that matchup between Cleo Mack and Garrett Bowles, someone who has shown that he doesn't play with, you know, maybe very finesse technique. And if you don't have the best technique against Cleo Mack, your quarterback's going to end up on the ground, possibly a turnover. So I love that matchup coming into this uh, matchup with the, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, especially what you saw from Leonard Floyd and how he's progressing his game because he, we've talked about in the past, he's been more of that one-trick pony, and last year he was kind of dampered with the arm injury most of the season and with well, a hand, and then that kind of you know hindered what he was able to do. So we haven't really seen a full Leonard Floyd since uh, for a couple of seasons, and with all of his injuries, it's hard to even question when is the last time we saw a 100% healthy and ready-to-go Leonard Floyd, but what you're seeing is him able to convert some speed into power, and he's always been a guy that wasn't known for his power, only the speed, but now he's learning how to leverage his speed turn it into powered and he has a more of a revamped i would say pass rush i want to call it an arsenal and that should allow him to win uh really all the attention is going to be on cleo mack especially going up a backup right tackle whenever cleo mack's on that side they're going to double team him they're going to triple team him because they're going to worry about that matchup which keeps the door wide open like you said for leonard floyd on the opposite side so for me that's what i'm paying attention to as well Cleo Mack against their backup Elijah Wilkinson is an easy one. I don't even think we need to discuss why that's important. Anytime you have a Cleo Mack caliber guy who's known in the past to really you know, have the Broncos number because you used to play them twice a year, it's an easy one to pay attention to because that's one that Mack should win all game long and the attention he should garner over there should open up things for all the other playmakers as well. Do you have anyone else up front? I feel like Akeem Hicks has a pretty decent matchup to go up against. I forget their guard's name. I forgot it down in my notes, but I have Akeem Hicks versus question mark because I was going to fill in the game, the name. I forgot to catch it during the game, but I do know that's a pretty favorable matchup overall. But how about you? Do you have any others that you're paying attention to here? You know, I think a good matchup is going to be Connor McGovern, sorry, their center versus uh, whether that is an Eddie Goldman or a Bilal Nichols. He is a pretty good center. He can definitely get out in space and lead block for these Denver Broncos running backs. He's an athletic center, can definitely do that. So I think that's going to be a good matchup to watch, regardless of which defensive lineman is in there, even if it is Roy Robinson Harris, too. Just a, a matchup that if the Bears can win one more. Uh, if they can win the tackles and even one on the inside, again, Joe Flacco is not a guy that likes to move around. If you can get pressure up front, like most quarterbacks, you're going to disrupt his rhythm, get him uncomfortable, and you know that is going to prove in the Bears' favor. But that's another one that I'll also be watching. 
All right. Well, we talked about some matchups up front. Let's move over to matchups through the air. The Broncos has some uh, two very good receivers in Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton. Uh, so here's a fun question. Uh, which wideout between the two worries you the most? I have to go with Cortland Sutton. I think he had a break. Well, he did have a breakout game against the Raiders on you know Monday night. And a lot of what I was watching, just seeing on film, what the the Broncos ran was a lot of posts right inside the middle of the field mm-hmm. there. Whether or not it was the the linebackers not getting enough depth to maybe force Joe Flacco to kind of float that ball over the middle, or what it, the safeties maybe didn't come up enough. A lot of those receivers are open. Seven receptions for 120 yards. I think those are both career highs for Cortland Sutton. So he was definitely an impact. And I know that they just – a lot of those passes were in the middle of the field on those post routes. And he's a big bide receiver. Can definitely is capable of catching those footballs. So it's going to be on Roquan Smith to get enough depth uh, when he's in pass coverage. And, you know, Eddie Jackson, Hog, Clint Dix to really close that window. But that is definitely the receiver I'll be keeping an eye on on Sunday. There's one other thing the Bears can do that I think would go a long way that Oakland did uh, incorrectly, at least in the first deep post route that Sutton caught. He had a linebacker on him in coverage. Yeah, that's not going to help. That was man coverage with a linebacker. That's not helping. That is not... I mean, maybe Roquan Smith. I mean, he's quick enough. Maybe that would work, but not really the ideal situation uh, that I don't think any of us want to put the Bears defense in whatsoever. Um, But yeah, obviously, I think Sutton's the bigger threat. He's more of that big play capability guy. And then you have Sanders, who he's just Mr. Reliable for them. He... He averages like a little over 10 yards per catch. He finds ways to get open, soft spots and zones and all those things. But both of them are people that we need to be able to pay attention to. But outside of them, it gets a little murky. I mean, you have the tight end, you know, uh, Fant from Iowa that I know you know fairly well. And then outside of that, I mean, it just gets into murky territory. But when I'm looking at Sutton, I hope that they don't try to attack Omukamara with him uh, based off of what we are able to see because uh, not, you know, on – Week one, he attacked the middle of the field a lot. But when I was looking back at his 2018, he was primarily involved along the boundaries. I know the offense has changed a little bit now with Flacco under center and things of that nature. But he can line him outside. He can beat some outside corners. And we know that, you know, Mukamara sometimes he plays back a little bit, which should allow Sutton to uh, be able to eat underneath. Uh, but he's a big play guy. And usually when there are big plays, like there was for the Bears a week ago, Prince is the guy in coverage. And obviously... Uh, that could be uh, a red flag in a way. Maybe not orange. Maybe I'll call it an orange flag. And that's also, that works well. <laughs> but for me, I mean, that's the one I'm paying attention to the most. I mean, we can talk about both running backs, uh, specific, uh, specifically uh, Lindsey coming out of the backfield. But I feel like Danny Trevath and Roquan Smith should have that one handled fairly well. They, it doesn't really scare me all too much. Do you have anyone else that you're paying attention to? So I think Deshaun Hamilton is a capable receiver being a second-year player out of Penn State. I remember when it come draft time, I was looking into him. He dropped a wide-open touchdown that Joe Flacco threw right in his hands. Would have changed really the, the aspect of that ball game for the Raiders and the Broncos. He's a good route runner, primarily works in the slot. He can hurt you. I know he's he hasn't done much, and you know when he dropped a, a touchdown pass that could have changed the game, you may overlook this guy, but don't. I guess don't sleep on him. If the Bears have, you know, Sutton and Sanders locked down, don't let this be the guy, especially the nickel corner with Buster Screen, be someone that they can go to. Because, again, if you get Flacco off his mark, he's not going to be a guy that's going to run around in the pocket and extend a play. He will hold on to the football for a good majority of the time. But don't let Deshaun Hamilton beat you. I know that he took that drop uh, wholeheartedly. He knows the significance of it. I know he's going to be looking to have a bounce back game. So that's just another guy just again keep your eye on absolutely 
All right, I think that the answer for this next one, Nick, is going to be pretty obvious, but let's look at quarterback Joe Flacco and some of the keys of slowing him down. Let me say what I have and then tell me if that's about right. Uh, For me, it all begins with pressure. He's a pure pocket quarterback. He can't really escape and uh, people close around him. He just kind of folds up shop and that's about it. He's that old school pocket quarterback. He's not someone who can really evade and uh, move out of the pocket or really take off. I mean, he can. Every quarterback does it from time to time, but he's not overly effective. He's not a threat with his feet by any means, but and I've seen him last week. They moved to pocket, but he's clunky on the move. It's not really fluid. Uh, so for me, it all begins with pressure. And even if it's not just edge pressure or getting sacks, if Goldman, if healthy, Akeem Hicks, Roy Robinson Harris, Bilal Nichols, if they can just start collapsing the pocket in front of you know Flacco, not allow him to step up, that's going to throw off timing. He's going to have to throw flat-footed, and it's just going to make life much more difficult for him. So for me, it's all about pressure. doesn't necessarily need to be a bunch of sacks, but just collapsing the pocket giving him a condensed area to work with, I think would go a long way. Oh, absolutely. That'd be a great way to disrupt Joe Flacco in this Denver Broncos offense. Uh, Another way is, again, just take away that short passing game, however you have to do it. Obviously, the edge rushers, we want them to be doing what they do best and getting after the quarterback. But I think if you can take away that first kind of read for Joe Flacco, especially if it's a quick passing, like a slant over the middle or even that post, you're really limiting his option. You have to make him look for somebody else. And we just talked about there are limits, there are limitations in this offense of who he can throw to. Noah Fant didn't really prove that he could be a guy that you can rely on, especially going into his second game. Sanders is coming off an ACL injury. He played pretty well for that. But if you can take away Sutton, Force Joe Flacco to find that next guy. It's not that he can't do it. It's just who is going to step up. I know I mentioned Hamilton, but again, it's not like it's a guaranteed person that Joe Flacco is going to have for, you know, to just dump the ball off to. Then when you have Roquan Smith roaming in the middle of the field who can close any gap, you know, faster than most linebackers can, it makes your job as a quarterback so much tougher. So I don't think Joe Flacco is not going to have a good day against this Bears uh, Bears defense. He's not going to like playing this Bears defense, and it's just because of all the playmakers and the lack of playmakers he has on offense. Good stuff there, Nick. Uh, Anything else on either Denver's offense or the Bears defense? Uh, Again, when you're looking at this matchup, I mean, the Broncos were able to move the ball uh, for the most part against Oakland, but this Bears defense is so good. It really is. And I really, you know, we talk about, you know, worry about this guy and key in on over here. But at the end of the day, I mean, the Bears have the upper hand anywhere you want to look at this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just going back again to watching the tape, Denver, Oakland, I thought Vontez Perfect from the Oakland Raiders had a really good game at middle linebacker. And then I just envisioned, well, now you got Roquan Smith, who is a better linebacker than Perfect. And I think that he's just going to have a huge game against these Denver Broncos, whether it's stopping the running backs, getting into passing lanes, keeping Joe Flacco in check. I'm just expecting really big things from Roquan Smith in week two. I mean, that's the reason why I said he was going to have over 100, what, 40 tackles, I think I put? We'll see. I have to go double-check my uh, predictions tweet, but somewhere like that. I'm expecting big things from him each and every week. But uh, for me, red zone third down real quick. Denver had four trips in the red zone last week on offense, but they only converted on one of those scoring points, uh, putting up a touchdown on one trip. Uh, Chicago, we only allowed two trips last week, only one touchdown, so we're sitting at 50%. And then when you look at third down, uh, Denver's middle of the pack, about 46% last week. And then the Bears actually had the second best third down defense in the entire NFL week one, only allowing Green Bay to convert on 16% of their third downs. 
All right, Nick, it's time to find out who has the edge. Do we just say bears, bears, bears and move on? I mean, I was going to say bears regardless of which one you gave me, so we could. We could. Unless you had something different. I don't. I don't. Here, we'll just make it official real quick. Bears pass rush, Broncos offensive line. Bears pass rush. Bears secondary, Broncos passing attack. Bears secondary. Bears run defense, Broncos ground game. Bears, bears, bears. Any, any? Do you think we need to explain any further as to why? Um, no. I mean, I think when you just look at from top to bottom, this the Bears are just stacked on each level. And they, look what they did to Green Bay last week. They only gave up ten points, and you know that touchdown was a gimme. And you look at this Denver Broncos offense that struggled against Oakland of all teams. They don't have a lot of playmakers on the side of the ball. I know they're going to be at home. It's going to be a different atmosphere. Maybe the you know the the altitude will play a factor, but. It just the Bears have better playmakers on that side of the ball on defense than Denver has on offense. It's going to be a tough day for the Denver Broncos offensively. All right. I don't have anything further to add there. So it's time to determine who's going to be our X Factor on defense. I'll begin with Prince Amukamara. There's a, he was the, one of the specifics I pulled out earlier in the show. And when you have a guy like Cortland Sutton, uh, who's a pretty dynamic wide receiver coming out party, someone who sh- is proving to be one of the you know better receivers in the league this year. That worries me. And Prince Mukamara, I think he's proven as he's getting up there in age that speedier guys are a problem for him. And the Bears may need to you know, help him out a little bit on that left sideline, right sideline, depending on whose perspective you're looking at from the defensive side or the offensive side. But his sideline, which is called his. Uh, so for me, Prince Mukamara, if he gets eaten alive and everyone else is doing their job, but they can just keep picking on him over there. Uh, that's going to be, uh, you know, bad news uh, for the bears. So for me, I'm going to say Prince Mukamara is my X factor uh, because I do believe he's going to be the guy that they pick on. Uh, what about you? I got, so I mentioned it, Roquan Smith, if he can take out, especially the middle of the field on those post routes for these receivers, just gain the right depth in his pass, uh, you know, his pass coverage, that's going to be huge for this Bears defense and limiting this Broncos offense. So I, we already know that Roquan Smith's going to fill his lanes, get tackles in the backfield, do his thing. But if he can show that versatility, and he did have a pass fair, pass interference call against the Green Bay Packers in week one. I want to see him just, again, put himself in the right position to adjust Joe Flacco's pass so he has to maybe loft the ball a little bit. You have two great safeties at the back end that can close like no other. I think that's going to be key, and that's why he's going to be my X factor in this one. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, so before we dive into our weekly predictions, uh, let's just take a couple moments on the third phase. Uh, what's on my radar? Uh, are the Bears going to show maybe more trust in Eddie Pinero this week? Uh, no one's going to forget uh, opting out of that 51-yarder last week. Obviously, it seemed like uh, Nagy was protecting him from maybe some scrutiny, which is still uh, still worrisome, at least from my perspective, that if you don't trust this guy to hit a 51-yarder uh, in a game when you need points, uh, so we'll see if we have more confidence or kicker, or maybe we continue to kind of play it safe here in the early part of the season. Uh, but what about you, Nick? Anything on uh, special teams? Uh, I heard from our guest yesterday that they have some special teams issues as well. So I don't think they use a hashtag like, you know, Broncos special teams, but I think they do have some of those issues that we're kind of accustomed to. Yeah, and the issues for the Broncos, I want to see if they're going to be able to cover and contain Cordero Patterson. Uh, Dwayne Harris, he had you know two returns for 101 yards. So, I mean, he had a day uh, just against that Broncos special teams unit. And Cordero Patterson didn't really get a lot of opportunities. Again, the Bears um, didn't – well, the Bears defense did their job. But, again, Cordero Patterson, I think, could be a factor in this one, especially if the Broncos special teams unit is going to give him opportunities. Let's see what he can do with the ball in his hands. 
All right, and with that, we're going to go ahead and enter the final segment of our show. And like we always do, Nick, let's begin with some bold predictions. Um, hopefully, you prepared this one more than three minutes before we went live. I'll give you four minutes before okay. we went live. <laughs> uh, I'll just start off. We just talked about Cordero Patterson. I have him getting a kickoff return and then actually averaging more than Dwayne uh, Harris had with two returns for 101 yards, two returns, 150 yards, and one is a kickoff return touchdown. I like that. That's a good one. Uh, for me, you know, when you play in front of like, you know, your dad and you want to show, you know, you play a little bit harder. I think the Bears defense is going to feel that way with Vic Fangio, you know, say like, hey, you know, we can stand on our own two feet, uh, but, we, you know, be proud of me at the same time. Uh, so for me, uh, Bears defense is going to ball out against Vic Fangio's team, a four turnover day. You got to make up. We didn't have any last week, so we got to make up yeah. to get back on track. Uh, so four turnovers by the Bears defense. Uh, Joe Flacco against the Raiders, he had a fumble. Uh, it was recovered by uh, his team, and then he almost had another one too. So ball security is another issue with Joe Flacco too, especially if you can get after him with some pressure. So for me, four turnover day and one defensive touchdown to cap it off as well. All right, Nick, who is going to be your MVB prediction? I'm going to have to give it to David Montgomery. I think this is a day where, again, Matt Nagy sticks to the run consistently. You'll see Montgomery just show everything that he did at Iowa State, and even in glimpses that he had in that game against the Packers, just fighting through contact, getting those first down yards, just carrying you know, the load for this Bears, de- Bears offense and just gaining those first downs and keeping this offense on the field. I think at the end of the day, Matt Nagy's finally going to hand the ball off to Montgomery, and that's going to end up end up being a good thing for this Bears offense. For me, I'm not going to do Mitch again for obvious reasons. Obviously, me saying he's going to be the MVP, which is too much pressure to live up to. Uh, so for me, I'm going to go with Eddie Jackson. I think the Broncos, you said it last week, they attacked the middle of the field, and they probably would be wise to avoid that at all costs. But if they do want to try it, that's where Jackson's roaming around, and he has the range even if they want to attempt some of these longer passes to pick him off. And I told you that I'm expecting some turnovers this week. Uh, so for me, uh, let Eddie make the Broncos pay once they try to test the Bears over the middle of the field. All right, so time to figure out who is going to win this game. Obviously, you and I are both 0-1 uh, because we had some hopes last week that we're not lived up to. Uh, so who do you have winning this game, and what's going to be the final score? Yeah, so I do have the Bears rebounding, getting that first win of the season against the Denver Broncos. I don't think it's going to be high scoring at all, though. I think the Bears will obviously get a little better on offense. It's hard to be as bad as they were in week one. So I have this actually as a 17-9 to game. The Broncos don't get into the end zone. There's three field goals. Uh, I mentioned that possibly Cordell Patterson has a kickoff return, but the, the offense will make you know, strides in the right direction, but we're still going to be looking for more. This is not going to be an easy game by any means. Vic Fangio's on the other side. I don't think how their defense played against Oakland is reminiscent of what they'll do later in the season. So 17 to nine bears. All right. Uh, For me, I'm going bears as well. I'm going with a lower scoring game too. I have 13 to 10 bears winning this game. Uh, I think, like you said, I think both defenses are going to be uh, what kind of gets showcased throughout this game. I think, uh, obviously, I, I don't even know if it's going to be as much as the Denver's defense, as much as the Bears' offense still may be able or finding themselves unable to uh, really get the wheels spinning here. So for me, low-scoring game, uh, Bears are going to squeak out. Uh, thankfully, they got that one touchdown of defense that I predicted, and that was able to uh, put us over the top here. But this leads to the final part of the entire show, Nick. That's going to be your confidence meter and your final thought heading into 
uh, the weekend here. So where's your confidence meter? I mean, we were feeling it a week ago. Uh, have you been completely soured? Uh, a little bit. Uh, so, man, I, I think it's going to be a really low scoring game, like I just said with my prediction. But I'll give it I'll give it like a seven in the confidence meter that the Bears can pull this one out. I, I think they should win. They have the better football team and what they showed in week one is not the bears team that we all know um, that they are really. So a seven. And again, this is a, an opportunity for this bears team, just getting a win under the belt to really bounce back Mm -hmm. and get back on track to, you know what they had, you know, for, for this season, these aspirations to possibly go and play in the big game later on. And you have to do that by just winning a difficult matchup against the Denver Broncos on the road. And I think this is one they definitely are capable of winning this, but it is a seven for me. They should come out with a victory. They just got to, you know, obviously improve, especially on the offense to get that done. Very good stuff there, Nick. For me, I'm at a seven and a half is what I put down here on my notes. Uh, So you and I definitely took a dip uh, from last week. But yeah, it's going to be a hard fought game Uh, playing at Mile High Stadium or whatever sponsoring Mile High now is. I mean, it's a tough atmosphere to play in. And I'm not even talking about the air quality. And obviously, the Bears said earlier this week that is like the least of their concerns and I mean, I get it. Um, But at the same time, I mean, that's a factor uh, on top of it as well. I mean, Denver's tough to play at home, especially early on in the year. But like you said, Nick, this team has some high aspirations. And if they go 0-2 to begin this season... I mean, I almost will pull out the panic button. I mean, that's, I mean, we haven't even talked about it this this year because I actually thought we're not going to get to a point where we're going to need to bring up the panic button that we brought up in 2017 and 2016 and 2015 seasons here on this show. But I mean, you go 0 2, and then you're heading into a Monday night game, which is prime time, which is, you know, Mitch's time in which he's, struggled then you're looking at maybe on three and that gets real scary real quick uh so you can't put yourself in a position to possibly start the season zero and three so you must find a way to win and the bears last year most of their losses came on the road as well they were a better team at home than they were on the road and Very true. The- how personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client robots don't know you We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Traveling over, you know, to the West Coast, it's going to, I mean, it should be, it's going to be a uh, later start. I mean, things that are starting to feel like you're going to come out lethargic, but hopefully they don't. Hopefully they've learned all the lessons that they, uh, you know, from all their mistakes last week, fix them because they need to win this game. They really knew. It's so early in the year, but it feels like one of those games that if you lose, I mean, doubts start creeping in from me and I can't even imagine what you feel like if you're a part of it, like on the team. Yeah, Absolutely. All right. I think that's going to do it, Nick. Uh, so I want to appreciate everyone who uh, tuned in the show, either here live on YouTube, Periscope, Facebook, or of course, if you're listening to the podcast as well, we really do appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, up next are Will Ingles. He's going to share his five matchups to watch on Sunday. Uh, but the next time that you hear from Nick and I will be right after the final whistle on Sunday afternoon. But until then, bear down, Chicago. <laughs>